It's time now to get the hell out of your life. A weekly broadcast with real people, sharing real struggles, and offering real hope. Today's show will encourage, inspire, and empower you to face life's challenges with a bold confidence and renewed hope. Now, let's join our host, Ron Myers, the promoter. Hello and welcome to Get the Hell Out of Your Life, the show that is committed to help you discover God's awesome plan for your life. Listeners, a special surprise at the end. Be sure to listen all the way through for the details. But right now, I have a very special guest in the studios. His name is Bill, and well, I'll let him introduce himself. My name is Bill Downs, and I'm from Socia, Mississippi. The big city of Socia. Oh, yes. All right. What do you do for a living? I actually work for Gulfport School District as an HVAC technician. Uh, basically, what that is is heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. You have been so kind to come into the studios and, and share a, a, a story with our listeners. Uh, your life was turned upside down about six years ago. What happened? On October the 6th, 2007, my son and his wife of three and a half months, their best friend that lived with us and that we had grown to love as a son, were going to the movies, driving down Highway 53, and they were struck and killed by a drunk driver and her passenger. The uh, drunk driver was also killed. It was a head-on collision. Brad and Samantha, which Brad is my son, they were killed instantly. And the young man that was with them, Chris, uh, died en route to the hospital. I can't even imagine receiving a phone call. Do you you get a phone call with something like that, or do they come to your house in person to tell you? Well, actually, Ron, um, I came up on the roadblock. Oh, my goodness. And when the county sheriff deputy deterred everybody down County Farm, when I turned down County Farm, I called my wife and told her that there was a big wreck. And it's right there in that big curve and that hill just past Canal Road going west. Had no idea it was the kids. And in the process of driving around, taking the detour that they were you know, directing us. I actually received a phone call from my wife saying that she could not talk to the kids on the phone, be it intuition, whatever. I tried to get back to the crash. You know, I had that gut feeling that there was something wrong. And in the process of going back, I turned down 53 when I come off of County Farm And when I got to the little airport there, I ran into a highway patrolman who then told me, you know, I needed to go back, that they were... Did they know who you were? You know, I don't know if I imagined it or if it actually happened, but I remember him saying, Mr. Downs, you need to go home. But I never showed him my ID, so I don't know that he, you know, I don't know that that actually happened, but... He told me to leave the area. When I got back to County Farm, my wife called back again and said that she couldn't get hold of the kids. For whatever reason, I backtracked. So you knew something was up. You know, I I didn't know 
You didn't know what. No. Like you said, the word intuition. Right. I just, I had this fear that it might be the kids. So when was the moment that you actually found out that it was your children? I went back to the roadblock where I started and Gulfport PD PD had joined the, the county sheriff and they even threatened to arrest me if I didn't leave the area. And I chose that time to go to the movie theater, with which they were going to the movies, to make sure that Brad's car was in the parking lot. And I couldn't find his car, so I went back to 53 to wait further orders from the wife. In the meantime, she was on the phone with dispatch and you know highway patrol, people like that, trying to find out what was going on. And it wasn't until she told me that there were two victims transported to Garden Park. I went to Garden Park trying to find out something there. And that's when I received the phone call from her Wow! that Brad and Samantha had been killed. At that point in your life, what did you, were you an active member in church? Did you believe in God? Yes, I believed in God. I, I believed that I was a Christian. Um, I was pretty active. Your, your normal Joe Blow, you know, I was, I was an elder in the church. And I ask um, that because my first reaction, if I, I would think my first reaction would, would be, I, I, I'd be kind of mad at God. Well, at first I was in shock. Um, I do remember calling the head elder and telling him, I don't need nobody down here. I just need to let y'all know what happened. Um, I don't think I was really... I don't want to say I wasn't a Christian, but I, I don't think I was an acting Christian at the time. Um, you know, I was talking the walk, but I wasn't walking the walk, unfortunately. But my first initial feeling was shock. And it wasn't actually until we got the autopsy report and all this stuff back. You know, we found out that she was a drunk driver. Not only was she drunk, but she had drugs in her system. Plus, she was texting and how old are your children and their friend? Uh, Brad was 21, Samantha was 19, and their friend was 24. So, hours earlier, they're at the house, making plans, go to a movie, have fun. Mm-hmm. Two hours later, they're dead. Right. Wow. I can't even imagine going through something like that. Right. Now, you said you were you know, part-time Christian, or maybe you weren't walking the walk. Did you turn to God during this for comfort, or did you get angry at God? I think I um, was more concerned in comforting my wife. Um, She basically had a a breakdown, and I think together, you know, we comforted each other. And unfortunately, instead of turning to God, I turned against God. I became very angry with God. I felt that... These two kids were just starting off in life. They'd only been married three and a half months. Why would God destroy them, so to speak? Did God destroy them or did uh, the drunk driver destroy them? The drunk driver did. And it wasn't until I had a breakdown. I mean, for a year. What do you mean breakdown? I guess everything came out. You know, like I said, I turned against God. I left the church. I left God. Wow. I emotionally left my wife. 
Was this making you feel better or was it making you actually feel worse? I felt worse. So none of the thing you were doing was working and you were trying to do it because you were trying, I would assume, to to quiet the pain that was inside you. Exactly. I had never actually grieved my son, but instead of turning to God, I felt like it was his fault that my son and daughter-in-law and a young man that I loved as a son was killed. I wanted to hurt God. Wow. How do you hurt God? That was a good question. I mean, I couldn't get at God, so I turned to my wife. Oh, you got angry at her? Oh, yeah. I put that poor woman through through hell here. I mean, but she never gave up on me. She never gave up. She never stopped praying. Today, I'm talking with Bill Downs. He lost three children to a drunk driver. He turned his back on God. He was angry with God. But Bill, there was a turning point in your life. What was that turning point? The turning point in my life was at the four-year mark when I guess I suddenly realized I had never grieved my son. And instead of turning to God, I thrust all that anger at God, at my wife. And on December the 6th of 2012, she had enough. You know, she doesn't believe in divorce. Neither one of us do. But she said, that's it. I can't take it no more. You already lost three children, and now you are getting ready to lose your wife. Exactly. Did people tell you that, Bill, you're hard-headed. You, you, need, to, you need to wake up and, and, and smell God because God's for you. Were people, were, were people on the outside trying to tell you that God is trying to help you? Exactly. I actually had the pastor was... Was I was dealing with my pastor, you know, and he was trying to convince me, that, you know, that that God was not the enemy. You know, he was our friend. And on de- December the 6th, like I said, she, she basically threw me out of the house. Um, I tried to commit suicide. I was, I was over it. I wanted to end it. And So what was the turning point? Uh, well, Ron... The turning point was, and when I think of this, I think of I think of Moses and his experience with God. You know, he got he actually met God through the burning bush. And I came home, back home that night, and basically curled up on the couch. She had locked the bedroom door, and I don't know if I passed out, went into a uh, I don't know if I was having a nightmare, having a vision. Were called. you drinking or doing no, drugs? No, no, no. I just so emotionally fatigued. And I mean, it was like two o'clock in the morning. We'd been, you know, fighting all afternoon. And or I what, had, what do you fight about with stuff like that? What, I mean, what's a fight about? Do you blame each other? Uh, no, I was blaming God. And, and, and so she didn't like that because what, was she one saying that it's not God's fault? She was one of the ones saying she was, you know, begging me to um, try God to get help, to go to marriage, marriage counseling, wow. to go to grief counseling. So you're laying curled up on a couch and then somehow you had a God moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's a God moment in your life? In my life, it was... You know, I, I dreamed, had a vision, whatever, me blaming God, telling him I wanted nothing to do with him, 
And he's like, are you sure this is what you want? I said, yes, I want you out of my life. And in my mind, he turned his back on me. Oh, my goodness. And for I don't know how long, it seemed seemed like a lifetime. But, you know, I've been in, I used to do caving when I was younger. And I'd go into these caves and you could actually feel it. It was so dark. You could feel the darkness. That night, I felt like I had become the darkness. And I heard him tell me, this is what every sinner that denies my name will experience at judgment was the eternal separation from God. And I don't know how long it lasted, but I felt like I was experiencing that eternal separation. That from eternal God. separation. And wow. thank God my wife never stopped praying for me. And finally he answered her prayers. And somewhere in the the speck of all that hurt and pain and, and hate, her prayers were answered. You have this experience. Now you have to go to your wife. What do you tell her? When I woke up, she was already sitting there beside me. Oh, wow. So God prepared her. Oh, yeah. I looked to her. I said, please forgive me. I have been a fool. Kind of like what Jesus said at the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, except you were telling your wife, hey, forgive me. I exactly. knew not what I did. I literally begged her to forgive me. I told her, call a counselor today. I need help. We need help. Praise God. We started going to counseling. We started going to grief counseling. On February the 9th, I stood before my church and I was rebaptized. She rededicated herself through faith. And then that night, we renewed our vows. I see you a lot over the last year, couple years on television. You have you took a tragedy and you turned it into good. Tell the listeners what you're doing. Well, I have volunteered for MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Being a volunteer for MAD gives me a voice for the victims. Not only my three kids, but the victims that are here on the Gulf Coast. They have lost loved ones due to a drunk driver. And I give my testimony once a month to a room full of people that have been arrested the first time for drunk driving. And I try to appeal to them as a father that has been through the fire. Amen. And you told me one time something that uh, you were at uh, the graveside of your children. And, And share with the listeners what you had told me. I stood there at my son's gravesite, and after I, I guess, apologized for not being what I felt was a better father, I told him that until the day I die, I will be his voice, and that if I can just talk to one person and convince one person not to drink and drive, that I've accomplished my task. But now that I have given my life to Christ, because on December the 7th, I accepted Christ, I feel for the first time as my Savior. I have got this hunger to know more about Christ, 
to know more about God. My wife and I pray together every single day. We read the Bible together. We're very active in church. You know, you went through a season, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just condensing the, some of the things you said, that you went through a season in that valley, in, in the shadow of death, and even though God was with you, you didn't know it, you didn't want him there, you were going through that struggle all by yourself. And God doesn't want any of us, does he, to go no. through any struggle by ourselves? That That's the thing I have learned in the last year is that everything is choice. Everything that God deals with is our choice. Do we choose to reach out and take what he's offering, or do we choose to turn it inward and do it by ourselves? Bill Downs, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. Listeners, what an incredible testimony about God's goodness coming to a parent, parents, through a terrible, terrible situation. When I return, I want to share something with you, an excerpt from my book. I think you'll find it very interesting. And don't forget the surprise at the end of today's program. Hi, this is Candy Anderson Ferris bringing you a message of hope. We are living in times that we certainly need to walk out our faith. And to walk out our faith means to walk in love. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy and love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Welcome back, listeners. I have a question for you. Do you ever get this uneasy feeling inside of you? You sense something in your spirit that it something just isn't right, but you can't put your finger on it. You try healthy eating, exercise, listen to motivational speakers, but there is this emptiness that just lingers on and you really don't know what to do. Well, that was my story at the pinnacle of my career. Now, to the world, I looked so successful, but inside I was empty. I was lonely. I was smoking pot to fill my emptiness. And while that was like putting a Band-Aid on a severed limb, it didn't work. 
What I didn't know at the time was a destiny-defining moment was waiting for me. And I want to share a part of that moment from my book, The Promoter, that will be out in a few weeks. It's chapter 25, The Day I Surrendered. I was on my way back from Columbia, South Carolina. It was a Saturday evening. I decided to stop in Atlanta to spend the night before I came back to the Gulf Coast. I'll pick up on that morning, Sunday morning. The next morning, I turned on the television and Charles Stanley, the pastor at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, was on. I sat down. I lit up my joint to relax before the drive home. It was about halfway through his program. I just kind of matter-of-factly said out loud, You know, God, I have everything I thought I ever wanted. I have recognition. I've been in the newspapers, made some money, but I am miserable. What's the story? Then it happened. I heard it. The clear, beautiful, and precious voice of God. It said, Ron, now that I have your attention, listen to me and I will show you your destiny. It's time to promote me. This time, the voice produced a warm feeling. I had chill bumps. It is difficult to explain and it may sound like a cliche, but the voice did bring life into my dead soul. It brought my hope alive again to the point that I genuinely felt like I did when I was that kid so many years ago running and laughing with my cousins in the warm summer sunshine. The feeling was that good. It was real. It wasn't from the pot, not from the barbecue ribs from the night before. I felt the Spirit of God. It compelled me to flush the joint and the marijuana down the toilet, repent, and rededicate my life to Christ. That day, I went from a knowledge of Jesus to the beginning of a love relationship with Jesus. And this time, I knew my life would truly change. I felt my past erased and that I now had a new canvas on which to paint the life that God had for me. Only this time I would allow him to control the paintbrush. So what would my future hold? I am glad I had no idea, because if God gave me a glimpse, there is no way I would have believed it. The hand of God was about to show me his infinite love, mercy, and grace. Life was about to get good. Really good. Wow. That is from my book, The Promoter. And that was um, The Day I Surrendered, Chapter 25. And um, at the end of today's um, session, my visit with you, I'm going to tell you how you can get a free copy, a signed copy of this book. But friends, that's what it takes. We have to get to the end of our rope. We have to hit bottom. We have to be so empty in that feeling inside of us that we say, God, I need your help. Why do I have this? That's, that is why I asked you that question. 
Because if you are experiencing an uneasiness, a restlessness, and you know something is missing, guess what? That is God knocking at your door. He's trying to get you to open up and let him in. And when you do that, friends, your life will just take on an incredible, incredible meaning and purpose. Everything that I am doing now for the last 20 years are things I never knew I could even do. And all the things that I thought I was going to do, I'm not doing them at all. Dreams that years ago I thought were abandoned and no no good anymore have been resurrected and I'm doing the things that as a little child I thought were possible. But God has added 10 times, 100 times more beauty into life. Friends, life is to be enjoyed, not endured. So today I encourage you, give your heart to Jesus and he will give you his voice. We all need encouragement. Encouragement does one of two things. It either frees us from the trouble we fear or it gives us the strength and courage to meet the trouble when it comes. If you would like to receive a weekly text message of encouragement, simply text the word INSPIRE to 51660. That's INSPIRE to 51660. Our messages will encourage, inspire, and empower you on your journey through life. Life is tough. Be encouraged. What's your story? We're looking for stories of hope and overcoming life's struggles with God's grace. Your story validates God's love, mercy, restoration, and forgiveness. We want to help you share your story with the world. Visit our website, thepromoter.org, and click on the Share Your Story link and submit your story. Your testimony of God's amazing grace will change a person's destiny for eternity. Ron will be back in a moment to wrap up today's conversation. Would you like to get the hell out of your life? Would you like to live a life with peace and purpose? We can help you. Simply go to our website, thepromoter.org, and download your free copy of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. This free resource will encourage, empower, and inspire you to become the person God created you to become. It's time to get the hell out of your life and discover your divine destiny. Now, back to Ron. Well, friends, my time is up, and God bless you. And listen, I would love to give somebody a signed copy of this book. I just want you to send me an email, ron at thepromoter.org, and uh, I'll have my own little drawing, and I will send somebody a signed book. Ron at thepromoter.org. Remember this, God loves you, God has a plan for you, and it's time for you to get the hell out of your life. Today's show was produced by Ron Myers Ministries, a listener-supported ministry. For a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website, thepromoter.org. And would you prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we may continue to share stories of God's amazing grace with the world? 
And join us next week for another broadcast of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. Real people sharing real struggles and offering real hope.